again, I'm going to a very well-worn area. What I mean by that is a lot of preachers preach on these verses in this area. I myself have preached on this in a number of different ways, taught on it verse by verse through the years of Sunday school class, and I've been through it and dissected it. I memorized the entire eighth chapter. Uh, used to quote it. I was going down the road. It took me about uh, 35 minutes to quote it. And um, it just, it's a very encouraging chapter. I'm going to start with verse 31 of chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, one of the, maybe one of the most encouraging places in the entire Bible. Now, I'm not going to speak on the normal of what I normally would speak about or what normally would be spoken about by preachers if they read this text. So if you're sitting there saying, oh, I, I, well, it's not going to be what you think. What should we say then to these things? And I want you to circle the word if, if. Because that's a question. That's conditional. All the rest that follows is based around that if. A lot of people don't pay attention to that if. And they bypass the if. And they just quote, God before us, who can be against us? And, oh, yeah, man, God's... Whatever I do and whatever I want to do, God's for me. Oh, is he? Is he? Well, I'm going to try to define that a little bit tonight. If God be for us, and that's the if, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Well, the devil's accusing us day and night for sure. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, as even to the right hand of God, also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, or tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sore? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are as counted as sheep for the slaughter. Are you? Are you? Are you? That's supposed to be our attitude. We are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. I've meditated on that. Am I? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors for him that loved us. That is, if verse 36 is true. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What in the world would make God for us? What in the world would make God for us? According to Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through old 18, and then skipping down to verse 23 and 24, let me read you God's opinion of us, written by him. That is, it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. 
Their throat is an open sepulcher. That, that, that's nasty. With their tongues they have used deceit and poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And boy, if that doesn't describe mankind. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. They do all that, don't think a thing about God, don't believe they're going to have to be accountable someday. For, skipping down to verse 23, 24, for all sin comes short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption is in Christ Jesus. Boy, praise God for that little verse and the ones following. Does this describe a being that only lacks the fan of good work, the fan of good works to ignite the divinity and the good? I want to read that because I want to get that exact. The liberal theologian believes there's a spark of good in every human being. And all it needs is just the opportunity or the right circumstances. As it were, a fan, like you would try, you know, when you light a fire, it doesn't burn through well, but it's going, you can put a little air to it. And woo. When I have a campfire, a lot of times it's not going the way I want to. I get my air blower out. You know, my air blower? And I got a battery-powered air blower, and I put that thing on there, and whoa, man, that flame, I mean, it goes up, and it'll consume all of the uh, wood if you're not careful. But it'll get that thing hot. And the liberal thinks that you and I, all we lack is some encouragement, the right circumstances, and that flame, that little spark, as it were, of good in us, like a little flame, will heat up and we will be good people. Evidently, they haven't studied the history of the world, the history of man. Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. <laughs> and that's all there's been. There's enough food to feed everybody in the world easily, but we won't distribute it to where it will. Uh, this Cuba thing is a good example. There's enough in the United States to make them people much better off, but we're not going to do it as a country. Men are ruthless. They will eat to where they're fat while their neighbor starves to death. Even now, children are starving to death in places around the world. While we here in the United States and other places have a super abundance of food, I mean super abundance of food, you can take somebody from Haiti or probably from Cuba and take them to a Walmart and it almost passes out. They'll almost, they'll just, they won't even believe. When I was in Haiti, I tried to describe to them a Walmart or a Publix. And they were like, Is it possible that you people have that much? I would tell them how we build our houses out of white wood. Wood's really, really rare in Haiti, real rare. They've cut all their trees down, deforested the place, used it for cooking because when you don't have electricity, what do you cook with? You cook with trees and things that burn. So they've deforested them, their place. And what's crazy is they've cut down mango trees, trees that feed them. You cut down everything and anything because you got to cook your food. And so it's a down spiral. 
And once that spiral starts going down, she's real hard to change the other way. And even now, Haiti's in horror. No government. Gangs roaming back and forth. Killing people, kidnapping people, food shortages, prices going out of the world. People working for $2 a day. I know I went down to Haiti when I used to, the beautiful thing about taking a trip to Haiti was years ago when I took my trips in the 80s, Duvalier was in, a dictator and they call him Baby Doc. He was, a, he was really an asset, to be honest with you. He, he kept law and order. You could walk out at night. Nobody would bother you. And so I didn't realize that you could have a dictatorship and it's a whole lot better than what they got now. And so I'd walk in there, and I, what I love going down there, one of the blessings of blessings was I'd take about $1,000 with me and cash. And I would go into the store, and we would stay with people. And when I stayed with somebody, I'd say, let's go to the store. Let's go to the market. The market. And I'd say, uh, now Haitians at that time only ate meat about four times a year. Like the Japanese, by the way, Japanese don't eat beef. It used to be, I don't know anymore, but Japanese didn't eat beef but about four times a year. I get this direct from missionaries. Couldn't afford meat. One of the Japanese couples came here with their kids, and we took them out to uh, Longhorns, and we loaded up on the big old, you know, the rib. You know, you get them ribs, about like slabs. And they just sat there, and the girl said, can I take a picture of this? They won't believe this in Japan. They won't believe it. And here... That was just common for my whole life. So I love to go down there and you take your money and you go in this shop and you say, there's uh, five goats. I want to buy all five goats. I want to buy all your chickens. Uh, How much is cooking oil? Cooking oil, 25 bucks a gallon. This was back years ago. They were only working for a buck, a buck and a half a day. I said, give me three gallons of cooking oil. You know, and we'd just have us a big old feast when we went to the house, you know what I mean? It was worse for them than it was me. I, I had to be careful not to eat their food because, you know, they're just not used to the bacteria. It was for them. That's, that's better than catching 500 lobster in one day. That's better than shooting a 10-point trophy buck. That's better, doing something like that's better than anything I've ever done in my whole life. If you ever understand how sweet it is to help other people, you'll jump on board and don't get off. You won't get off that train. That's what we're doing here with, in some degree with these people down there. Romans chapter 7 verse 17, 18 says, For I know that in me there and in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but the how, that which is good, I find not. Why, what in the world would make God for us? After the little bit of review that I've just had. First of all, <clears throat> the if in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, 39, which is a tremendous, tremendous promises, tremendous encouragement. Amen? The if sets it off as conditional. Number one, God has taken the first step to get to us in this option if. 
In Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium says, I'll put, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and will bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise thee. He says, the Christ is coming to destroy the destroyer. That was the first promise of hope after the fall of mankind. If you want to see how much God loves you and loves me, we just got to look at Calvary and look at the fulfillment anticipated some 4,000 years from Adam. God took the first step. He initiated a step and provided a choice for you and me. Because before Calvary, the if wasn't there. I think of the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2.17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eat there, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. There was no remedy given after that except the Proto-Evangelium, which is the 3.15. There's going to be a seed of the woman come. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. Glory to God tonight, the serpent's head is crushed. Hallelujah. Thank God tonight I have a choice. Moses had a choice. Abraham chose to looking forward to the Christ that was to come. We have a choice 2,000 years after Jesus looking back at the Christ who came. Whatever be your historical perspective, it's all about the Christ who came. He is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died for me and died for you and gave me that if possibility. The second thing I notice in this passage, God is a reactor. Now, God is hoping people will turn unto him. He wants people to turn unto him. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. <clears throat> but you, you realize that Calvary won't do anybody any good if they don't hear about it. <clears throat> we have this fabulous news and our job is to get the news to the people. My job is not to save people. See, a lot of people get discouraged going door to door. They get discouraged passing out tracts because they don't see any fruit or they don't see something visible. Brother, I'm an obedient soldier of Jesus Christ. If not, I don't ever see anybody saved, which I have seen people saved, obviously. But if I never saw anybody saved, I should still just keep doing what's right and preach a gospel to every creature. Quit conditioning it with, if I see fruit, I'll keep going. If I see something happen, I'll keep going. God didn't say, well, some sow, some water, but God gives the increase. That's what the Bible says. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul knew that. I'm out passing out tracks all over the place. And brother, brother, God bless you, Mike. I'm just going to say you're a thousand every week, thousand every week. You can't believe how many people will not come up to you and ask you how how you do it. They come up to me and ask me how you do it. If you want to know how Mike does a thousand a week, quit coming to me and go to him. Let me tell you, it's work. Work, it's hours, hours and hours of passing out. It takes me about an hour and a half, two hours to pass out 250 tracks. 
if I'm hubba hubbing. But God's a reactor. In Zechariah 1 3, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Turn ye unto me, I'll turn unto you. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Basically, you make a move. God's made the provision for your salvation, now make the move. You hear the gospel, you say, I want you, Jesus, he's there for you. But he's not going to rape you, he's not going to force you to be saved, he's not going to overcome you, he's not going to beat you up, he's going to let you go to hell if you won't respond to the gospel. Number three, I notice, God is, com- God is against those that are committed to evil. Okay, if God be for us, who can be against us? If, you, if you've taken up that choice and said, I, I trust Jesus as my personal Savior, I really do. I mean it with all my heart. I want to be saved. He'll save you. He'll seal you. He'll put you into the body of Christ and, uh, your, and the book of life. But if you reject that, oh my, my, here's some verses. Psalm 711, God is angry with the wicked every day. That's just the last part of that. I'm just going to read part of these verses. Psalm 34, 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Psalm 37, 9 says, for evildoers, evildoers shall be cut off. Psalm 37, 28 says, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Psalm 37, 34 says, when the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Psalm 37, 38 says, But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, and the end of the wicked shall be cut off. Psalm 101, 5 says, Who privily slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart, will not I suffer or permit. Proverbs 2, verse 22, But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Policeman over here, and you also see it. You see an inordinate amount of bad. When you're a policeman, you see an inordinate amount of the worst side of human nature. I've seen policemen get completely burnt out, thinking everybody's a crook, everybody's got an angle, everybody's, and they've been, and they've been in it too long. You got to get out of it. It's hurting you. It's making you think evil of everybody. And men are evil, and those things are real that they see. But understand there's a God in heaven going to make everything right. All them crooks are supposed to get away, and they do get away with it on this earth, except they can't sleep at night. See, there's even punishment that you you and I don't even know about to the evildoer. The evildoer's conscience begins to bother them, and they sear their conscience, and God begins to keep them up at night. Think of these rock stars and all these people that are so immoral and stuff. They get where they can't sleep at night. Pretty soon they start taking drugs to sleep. Pretty soon they overdose and die. Called the 27 Club. God is for those who trust in Jesus. That's what he's for. And in verses 31 and 39, he gives four main reasons why things are going to be okay with those who trust God. Number one, he says, no, no one is stronger, bigger, or mightier than God. That's verse 31. What should we say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? Because God's the creator of all that is, and he's the biggest, baddest, toughest. Nobody's bigger than him. And when he says he can do it, he can do it. 
Number two, there's nothing can be against us because we are extremely valuable to him, seeing how high the price was that he paid for us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall not he with him also freely give us all things? How high was the redemption price for you? His own son. How much did he love you? His own son. Man, you're valuable. What's that mean? It means you're valuable. Brother Irvine, don't ever think nobody cares because God cares. You're valuable to him. You're valuable. More valuable than any other thing you've ever grabbed on this earth. You can't hold anything more valuable. Your soul, your soul is priceless to God. He sent his own son. Number three, I see, verse 33 and 34, if God does not condemn us, who can? There's nobody else to condemn us. I mean, the devil condemns us, but who's he? He's just created being. He's going to be condemned, cast in the lake of fire. The Bible says he's the originator of lies. You can't believe him. He's got no credibility. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Well, if it's God that justifieth, then who's bigger than God that condemneth? Nobody. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again. Who's even with the right hand of God who also make an intercession for us? Number four, I see logically, then who or what has the power to separate us from him? This is, this is where he's going as he goes down through this chapter, led by the Holy Spirit, of course. Verse 35 to 39 may be the greatest, most encouraging logic anywhere in Scripture. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he names these things for tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. And in case you think of anything else, that's pretty much a big list there, amen. And he says, as is written, we're killed all day long. We're already dead. To ourselves, and you can't hurt a dead man. People get upset, they get angry. People that get angry have all kinds of rights. They've got all kinds of rights. People that get angry have struggle with rights. I have expectations of the way Brother Bill's supposed to treat me, the way Brother Bill's supposed to shake my hand, the way Brother Bill's supposed to do this, do that. I have uh, rights. I have the right not to be insulted, the right not to be spoken down to, the right not to be ignored. The right not to be abused, you do not. You've got no rights. I am a servant. That's a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Slaves have no rights. My body is not even my own. I now am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He owns my body. He purchased it. We are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep to the slaughter. If God wants me to get cancer and die a slow, miserable death, it's fine. If, if God wants me to, to get to be blind uh, because of some trouble, then it's okay. Nobody that has anything go wrong with them can point a finger at God and say, you've done me wrong. Don't you get bitter at God. That's a lie from hell. Nobody loved you like God. And the temporary suffering you're going to go through is that it's temporary. And it came to pass. 
It did not come to stay, amen. That guy in Bob Jones University that was blind, went to school, got his master's degree. Someday he's going to be able to see. And by the way, the time he sees is going to last a lot longer than the time he was blind. In fact, you won't even be able to measure the time he didn't see compared to all eternity without end. Come on. Okay, you've had it hard. Okay, you've struggled and other people didn't seem to struggle that way. Okay, you've got, but don't, you just give it to God and say, God, whatever you're doing is for my benefit because I know you're good and I know you love me and I know you gave your only begotten son for me and you're gonna, you went to prepare a place for me and you know what, I'm just going to trust you through it. I don't have to understand it. I don't have any rights and I'm giving up all my expectations. And whatever happens and falls out to me, I'm just going to take it as from God. And let me tell you, I just told you a very, very good piece of information. It's how you're going to make it through life without getting bitter. It's how you're going to make it through life without being a failure, at least for God. And it's how you're going to make it against the onslaught of the devil himself. You don't think he's pretty smart about nailing us after all these generations have come and gone? He says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, that's pretty extreme. Angels or principalities or powers or things present, things to come, height, depth, or any other creature that covers it all should be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I can pillow my head at night with the security that no matter what swirls around me, God's got me. He's got me in his right hand. He's got me in his right hand. If God be for us, that's conditional upon your repentance and faith in Christ. As I just read you, the way he feels about the, the evil and the unrighteous. Who are the evil? Those who reject Christ. There's two groups of people in the world, the saved and the unsaved. Those who accepted by faith Christ and those who have not. That's it. And he's angry with the wicked every day. You know, people try to preach Christ and they preach him without they, they preach one half of him. They preach the love of Christ. But they don't talk about the wrath of Christ. Remember, he's the judge of the living and the dead. Remember this morning? He's the one that's going to condemn everybody that's rejected him into the lake of fire. That's the wrath of Christ. Remember when he went in the temple and he, he, kicked, he kicked the tables over? Oh, oh, that's, un, that's unbecoming of a of a minister. He made a cord and he went in there and he whooped on them. And he said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. He threw the money all over on, well, that was rude, preacher. If you don't read the Bible, you'll make up a Jesus in your mind that ain't real. 
You'll make, you'll make up what I heard people say, well, my Jesus is a, somebody who's living in adultery. Somebody was living in adultery, and I was telling them it was wrong, and God condemned it, and they said, well, my Jesus is, is good with it. I said, your Jesus may be good with it, but the Bible Jesus ain't good with it. And someday you're going to see the Bible Jesus because your Jesus is Mickey Mouse Donald Duck. Quit you making Jesus in your own image and accept what the Bible says about him. Of course, you actually have to read the Bible. You actually have to read the thing. So who are you under? Are you under Calvary tonight or are you under condemnation tonight? That's the two groups of people. I hope if you're under condemnation and you're alive and breathing and can have cognitive function, you can ask Jesus to be your personal savior. You know, people say to me, sometimes when I get, I'll get older, I'll get saved after I sow a little, you know, wild oats, and I'll get saved. I'll say, well, how do you know you're not going to have a stroke or lose your cognitive ability and not be able to be saved? I've seen people have a stroke, couldn't reason. That's what the cognitive ability of your mind is. It's to be able to put two and two together, be able to connect the dots. My mom lost some of her cognitive ability, and it was a shame. It was a shame to watch. We had to declare her incompetent. Had to get an enduring power of attorney. She couldn't spend any of her money. She couldn't make any of her health decisions. You have to get a health surrogate. By the way, all of you should have a health surrogate with an enduring power of attorney already. And it's not always best to use your children. Sometimes your children cannot be good. Sometimes somebody you know would be better as a health surrogate than your children. No offense, man. But I've seen it. But we just trust God through that, amen. We say, God, I'm yours. Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit of God would help us to be wise as serpents and gentle and innocent as doves. Help us to believe in the Bible, Jesus, the Jesus that is real and is, is alive even now, sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. My God, would there be tonight someone in this room and say, Brother Bill, I, know, I, I do not know the Jesus of the Bible, but I know Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible. I would like to repent and trust Christ as my Savior tonight. You've been under conviction. Spirit of God's been working with you, but you've never pulled the trigger. Being saved is a decision. It's a definitive decision you make with a public, with a public, and listen to this part, with a public confession that you trusted Christ as your Savior. He that confesses me before man, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus' words, Matthew 10. Maybe Christian in here tonight, you say, Brother Bill, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't been attacked that way. You, you, you will. You will. May God, you do a great and mighty work which we know not. In Jesus' name.
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.